This is the 966 episode 114, 114. Hello, salam alaikum. I hope you're all doing very well. We are back. We are back this week. We have a very special, incredibly special episode. The first time ever, my co-host and co-founder of the 966, Mr. Richard Wilson, and myself, Mr. Lucian Ziegler, will be featuring two conversations we did live and in color for the first time ever. And what a way to break that seal in just a few moments. Again, not one, but two excellent conversations coming up from the sidelines of the Evolution Foundation's coming out event, the Global Health Span Summit. We recorded these. First, we will be speaking in just a few moments with Her Royal Highness Princess Dr. Haya bint Khalid bin Bandar Al Saud. She is Vice President of Organizational Strategy and Development for Evolution and if I may say, and I'll have a little teaser here, she is just a privilege to speak with and just so cool. We get her for about 20 minutes and talking a little bit about the vision. These conversations were recorded at the very end of the Evolution Foundation's Global Health Span Summit. So we get to sort of ask them about everything that happened and we get to look forward a little bit. But Princess Dr. High is just an amazing person and it's a really fun conversation. And then after that, conversation we will welcome back onto the 966 for probably the quickest turnaround ever for a special guest i think i have to go to the record books or back to the uh 966 history museum for that but dr mehmood khan ceo of evolution will be joining us again just a few weeks after he made his appearance on the 966 ahead of the global health span summit and we get to ask him about the launch the prizes announced the X Prize, all the announcements, and his vision going forward for the organization. And it's amazing. You'll see it and hear it, depending on how you're getting this. The energy from somebody who has just spent weeks, months preparing for a live event in which he gave several speeches, his energy beats our energy. It's actually quite amazing, and it's a really wonderful conversation with Dr. Mehmood. So Richard is not here for this intro, actually. Richard and I, uh, well, Richard is currently wheels up on his flight back from Riyadh. I returned just a few days ago. I would like everyone to note it was my third trip to Riyadh in a month, which should either be illegal or maybe is a Guinness Guinness Book of World Records longest commute record situation. I don't know. But um, yeah, three trips to Riyadh last month. That's uh, that's definitely tops for me. Richard is wheels up right now. We did record a little intro at the very end of all the interviews to sort of put together. And again, this was our first time doing anything live, so it was a little bit uh, wild, shall we say. Um, And I just sort of thought it would be better if I did a real intro for 114 this week, now that all the production uh, is complete. And so let's, without further ado, get right into it. I should note, little programming note, in the coming weeks, we'll be back to our normal schedule. Once we beat jet lag, uh, we will have an exclusive conversation just a few weeks as well with Evolution's chief investment officer. And on various social pages and on YouTube, we will have other smaller interviews that we did with other people at the event we thought were interesting and will be relevant and we hope you enjoy. So we have a bunch of content kind of coming out now and it all begins with this really amazing, awesome 114th episode, beginning first with Her Royal Highness Princess Dr. Haya bint Khalid bin Bandar Al Saud, VP of Organizational Strategy and Development. And then we talk with, of course, the CEO, Dr. Mehmood Khan, just after that. Thanks for listening and watching. Please enjoy. 
We are pleased to welcome onto the 966 Her Royal Highness Princess Dr. Haya bint Khalid bint Bandar Al Saud, Vice President of Organizational Strategy and Development at the Hevolution Foundation. In the past, Dr. Haya, you've worn many hats. You've been with CAST, the King Abdelaziz City for Science and Technology, the Saudi Food and Drug Administration, the National Biotech Strategy Advisory Committee, and more. Thank you so much for joining us on the 966. Thank you so much for being here. Thank it's you. It's our pleasure. Truly, you're very kind. This is the end of the second day of this event, and uh, we asked you if you're exhausted, and, and not surprisingly, you said no, you're energized. Yes. Which I guess is a reflection <laughs> on the event. Of course, of course. And so, um, as Lucian said, extraordinary background, extraordinarily well equipped for what you're doing now. Um, with this, you know, Evolution Foundation Global Health Span Summit as sort of the nexus, can you talk about? what you've done to get to this point, and you've been there from the beginning, the very beginning. So thank you so much uh, for this interview. Um, I think I'm just going to be very simple uh, about how I feel today. Um, I think it's uh, a moment of pride for me specifically, uh, and for the whole team. Um, it's For me, it's been a four-year journey. So I've been in Evolution for four years. My anniversary was in November, early November. Mabrook. Thank Happy you. Anniversary. <laughs> um, from the first day that I was actually recruited, um, I was attached to the mission. And the reason why I was attached to the mission is because we're really trying to extend healthy lifespan for all humanity. And what and one more layer is it's actually happening from Riyadh. Right. Um, this beautiful feeling that we're doing all the hard work trying to solve one of the biggest challenges that you see across the globe, which is the increase of age-related diseases, is, is such an amazing mission. And um, that's number one. Uh, number two is um, um, since, the, since my four-year journey started four years ago, um, I also saw the beauty in this journey because I was recruited when um, the, it was just an idea and it was a concept that um, just started. Um, I was a number one employee in Evolution Foundation. Um, I remember my first day uh, working um, when I saw how big this mission is and the impact. I was like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to do it alone. <laughs> so, um, because I was... I was, I was um, working as the project lead at that time. Uh, obviously, I had support from different uh, team members that were actually really supporting me at that time. Um, but um, we started thinking of the concept and started detailing the, the concept at that time um, until uh, Mahmoud joined. And when Dr. Mahmoud joined, uh, this is when a lot of the magic started happening. Uh, we really started thinking of our strategy. How do we impact uh, the world? and how do we really build this properly. Um, what's also some nice stories of the past is when we um, first, it was COVID at that time, when I first met Mahmoud. Um, and uh, when he joined, um, he arrived in October uh, 2020. And it was the first time that we, I meet him face to face. I've been working with him for a while. But then I told him, sorry, Mahmoud, um, we'll need to share an office <laughs> for at least a couple of months. And that's when the magic happened. And this is when the magic happened. So it was a beautiful journey with him. Um, I remember, you know, at the beginning, we were really thinking of how to start and when to start. 
and where to start. Uh, but I think, as you mentioned, um, the success of evolution is because we always drive for focus. We, um, you know, when we ramped up our activities, we tried to focus on certain focus groups. So at the beginning, we, we focused on scientists. Then we started, uh, you know, expanding our focus area slowly, and we're still expanding. There's more and more to come in the future. Um, but I think proper planning, focusing on these plans, and obviously you need to divert a bit. You know, sometimes you're met with obstacles, and you need to move on. So I always tell my team. Um, the way to succeed is to focus and get rid of the noise. And that's what actually made us succeed. Obviously, it's normal. I mean, uh, when you build an organization, when you incubate, uh, you're normally met with challenges. But you just need to get rid of these challenges and just keep focusing and moving forward. And this is why today I think we're all celebrating uh, our success. It's hard, four years of hard work, so it didn't happen overnight. Um, we really wanted to celebrate what we achieved and celebrate the future. We wanted to uh, really uh, explain the concept of evolution uh, to the world. And just a funny story, which is a personal story, uh, my family actually attended yesterday some of the sessions. And because all of us, me, Dr. Mahmoud, the whole team, we work you know, uh, day and night because we believe in the mission. And my family used to complain. They're like, oh, you know, you work a lot. But when they came yesterday, they were like, now we now know, we yeah, now, now we, we see. <laughs> and actually, one of my sisters said, um, you know, um, do you have any openings in evolution? <laughs> so that was a funny story. But, um, but yeah, today is a day to, you know, for celebration and, and um, a dream come true. So building an organization is already its own enormous challenge. Yeah. Building an organization in a fairly new space as an investor, an impact investor. Can you talk a little bit about the catalyzing a, basically a new industry or an industry that has been sort of all over the place and your role for Evolution as really the, the jump starter for this. When we started our plans, our plans was really focused on how do we gradually ramp up. Um, obviously, we identified our focus area, our focus groups. So it was very clear to us that we want to start focusing on science, then slowly moving into investments, then slowly moving into medicine and slowly moving into our intramural program. So it's a very well-studied plan. There's no way that you can do everything together at the same time. So at the beginning, we're really trying to focus on how we actually start working with scientists because we truly believe we're a scientific organization and we're really trying to understand the underlying biology of aging. And without uh, the buy-in and without the collaboration with scientists, then we can't actually move forward. Um, What's difficult and what's a, the difficult task that's actually happening or that we want to achieve is how do we try to, one, develop uh, breakthroughs in aging biology, two, how do we uh, make sure that we develop talent and attract more scientists in, into the field, and three, how do we indirectly impact policy and regulations. Uh, the reason why I'm saying indirect is because we are a non-profit organization, so we influence. Um, first, I think it's, it's not really straightforward, but uh, there are center of excellence that focus on aging. Uh, however, we want to bring multidisciplinary, we want to use a multidisciplinary approach 
uh, because we truly believe in order to innovate and, and develop breakthroughs, you need to pull in uh, scientists and, and different individuals that focus on different focus areas. Um, talent development is, is also something um, maybe not straightforward, but a bit um, um, important and might be a bit challenging. Uh, the reason why is uh, people don't realize that in multiple uh, sectors or multiple focus areas in biology, they're actually studying aging. I'll give you an example like uh, cancer, diabetes. They're all pathways of aging. And we're trying to pull these scientists into the field and telling them that, you know what? You actually focus on aging science. Yes. Um, so that's one focus area in terms of talent. The second is how do we attract young individuals to start their career in aging science? And uh, as, my, as Dr. Mahmoud mentioned today and actually announced, we have one of the biggest postdoctoral uh, programs in aging uh, that um, will uh, uh, help Saudis to actually uh, build their capabilities in aging science. Um, investments led by Dr. Uh, Bill Green is now also ramping up. Um, uh, we're actually uh, hopefully in the end of this year announce a couple of investments. Uh, as you see and you've been here for the past two days, uh, Dr. Sophia uh, Patai is, uh, has uh, developed a pop-up pop clinic, which is a concept that we re is very dear to our hearts and really um, uh, you know, think of, of, of what the future of medicine and, and aging will look like and the intramural program, which is currently, we just started thinking of it. But as I mentioned, our success is really having proper planning, focusing on one step at a time and trying to uh, be a bit flexible. Um, um, when we uh, are met with difficulties, we, uh, you know, we can divert a bit, but really still go back into uh, focusing on our mission. It's been really interesting watching this, the range of areas that you have targeted as important to the bigger picture. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, is clear when we speak with you, and is something, a term that Dr. Uh, Khan has mentioned, is operationalize. And it seems to sort of run through everything you do. So taking this event, which understandably you're very proud about, but my guess is you see it as a tool. Of course. And how will this event help you operationalize everything you're trying to do from here forward? For the way I see it, today is the beginning. And right. you mentioned it a exactly. couple of minutes it's ago. It's you know, the end of the beginning. Uh, of course. <laughs> uh, in order to start somewhere, um, this event is our chance to explain to the world two things. One, how important aging and understanding health span is. And second is how do we actually ensure that we convene and we get the help of others and work with others to move the field forward. And this is our strategy and this is our approach. And we keep saying, and you can see, I mean, if you see anyone from Evolution speaking, that's the first thing we say is convene. But as you know, we're, I'm, I'm a scientist and I think a lot of people here know that there's a lot to be done. This is only the beginning. Um, in terms of the beginning, the beginning of really doing it right. And um, it's not, I mean, the fragmentation, you don't only see it in aging science, it's in science as a whole. Um, I think um, it's speaking to scientists today and seeing that they want to work with uh, um, biotech investors, that's brilliant. Uh, seeing policymakers wanting to work with scientists is brilliant. Um, and I think this is the beginning. Um, we're still not there yet.
it is interesting. I mean, you have your PhD in genomics. You were former head of the Saudi uh, Human Genome Project. This is your wheelhouse. Are you seeing the science? So you're trying to plug in to really promote the science. Are you seeing the science at a really interesting, maybe launch point? Of course. I mean, in terms of aging science, you yes, mean? Aging yes, science, yes, yes, of yes. Course. yes. Of course, of course. I mean, um, basic science has really developed in the past couple of years. I'm not saying that we're there yet in terms of basic science, but definitely there's a lot of good quality science that could be translated into human applications. And Evolution's working on two streams. How do you move basic science forward and how do you translate the science into human applications? Uh, obviously, uh, both of them are important. Obviously, we're scientists, they take time. Um, but uh, with Evolution and with the contribution of people that have been in this field for centuries, uh, we can move the field forward. I, I, think, I think something impresses both Lucian and myself, and I think it's important to note, Dr. Alstad mentioned it this morning in the arena, I call it the arena because yes. it's, oh, yeah. it's a great, Looks like arena. It's a great <laughs> place. It's a wonderful place to you know, have a, a conference and have people speak, but he was talking about the emphasis on democratizing this is not for the rich, and this is not just for Saudis. Can you, can you, I mean, it seems like the impetus here is a global thing. Can you, and that had to begin at the, at the, at the start, correct? Of course. Can you it talk a little bit about from, that? You know, from the start. Yeah. Um, aging impacts or aging-related aging diseases impact every human. Um, when you see different scientists or different fields, usually they focus on certain geographies because they're targeting an unmet need in that geography. Um, aging doesn't have a country. It's not uh, focusing on a developed versus developing country. It doesn't focus on anything. It focuses on all. I mean, um, I, can, I can give examples. I know I was giving examples of how important this topic to me, uh, this topic is to me, and, and how it's impacting my life and impacting my family's life. And then everyone is relating. Yes. So everybody's like, oh yeah, you know what, same thing here. Uh, so all of us share the same challenges with age and age-related diseases. So what I see is that the impact that evolution has, and because it targets all humanity and touches all humanity, so that's key. Uh, obviously, um, our strategic objectives is one, how do you develop drugs that can help in expanding, uh, um, expanding a health span? Second, how do we accelerate drug development? And third, how do we provide anything that we develop in evolution to all? So we're definitely not targeting a certain group. It's embedded in our DNA and in our strategy. And the only way you, you can impact the world is by democratizing the science and the outputs of the science. I'm sure you're looking forward. I hope you take a moment to enjoy. Yeah. Just, and it may not be a question you can answer, what do you see as your biggest challenge going forward, the Evolution Foundation? I think the biggest challenge that we might face is really focusing on multi multiple geographies. I mean, we're doing very well now. We started working in Boston, and I think that's uh, in the U.S., and we're targeting uh, the U.S. Uh, we'll be working in, 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 um, in somewhere in Europe and in Asia. Um, as you know, um, each geography or each geographical region has their own challenges. Yes. And for you to um, impact all geographies, you will really need to know the challenges and uh, the opportunities there. Uh, 
And I think maybe that would be uh, the biggest challenge. But other than that, I think we're able to do it. I mean, uh, if you're focusing and you believe in the mission and you um, ensure that you convene and you create coalitions and you bring people together, I think we're able to deliver our mission 100%. There's something so exciting about this because we all age. We just discussed that. But there's also an economic upside here. Some of these investments can really save a lot of money down the road. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how Evolution plans to sort of get everything going with that? Sure. Um, the economic impact that we see from aging is huge. Um, there is an economic burden on, on health expenditure. So due to health, high health expenditure, there's an economic burden. There's also an economic shift. So a lot of young people are getting sick and there's not enough old people that can work. So that's causing also an economic shift. Um, so we're working extensively to try to address these matters. They're very difficult because they're societal and it requires, um, it requires government, uh, um, industry, scientists to all get together and, and try to solve for this. Um, what uh, you mentioned in terms of investments, yes, uh, for sure. I mean, we're working extensively towards uh, early stage investments that take time, but the impact is huge and the impact is big. Um, obviously, um, we really uh, choose uh, our investments very carefully because we, our investments are really focusing on the biology of aging. You know, a funny story, when I first started um, working in aging and aging science, no one really understood what, what I was trying to achieve. I mean, everybody was thinking when you say aging, everybody thinks, how do I extend life expectancy? And, uh, and I mentioned to the, yesterday in, in, uh, uh, in the panel, Everybody was asking, you know, they were asking, how do you impact the general public? I think before impacting the general public, they really need to understand what accelerated aging means and what not only evolution, what we're trying to achieve here. Um, so it always starts with awareness, not only awareness to the general public, awareness to scientists, investors, and so on. Um, we really need to bring people into this field and introduce them to how important addressing accelerated aging and the increase of age and age-related diseases is. We, um, we ran into you around the event, I yep. think it was two days ago, um, and we were just chatting. <laughs> we wanted to ask you um, and share the story because you mentioned to us you were born in the United States, True. which is really interesting. Can you tell True. us about that? True. Um, I was born in Kentucky in a small town that was called Elizabethtown. That was town. Yeah, that we, uh, we really? guessed it right out of the uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I was, I was born in a small town. It was called uh, Elizabethtown. And um, um, I, was, I was there because my, my dad was uh, uh, studying and training in, in, in Kentucky. So, um, yeah, so it, it was a, a big part of my dad's life, my mom's life, and obviously my life. Um, I was very young at that time, but I, didn't, I moved back to Saudi when I was young. Uh, but I actually visited Kentucky. I wanted to know where I was born. So I did, and I visited E-Town. Well, what did you uh, think? <laughs> oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. It was amazing. Oh, no, no, of course it was. It was a small town, yeah. but it was beautiful. I mean, a beautiful town. So, uh, yeah, my parents spent a couple of years there. Yeah, that's really cool. Yes. Her Royal Highness Princess Dr. Haya bin Khalid bin Binner, also, thank you so much for your thank time you today. So this is a pleasure. Thank you, thank you yeah. so much for coming. That was our conversation with Her Royal Highness Princess Dr. Haya bin Khalid bin Bandar Al Saud, Vice President of Organizational Strategy and Development. Privileged to speak with her, really 
I mean, we think ter- ter- uh, terrific conversation. And now we will be speaking next. Again, this is a bit of a special format for the episode. We'll be speaking next with the CEO of Hevolution, the Hevolution Foundation, Dr. Mahmoud Khan. And he is dynamic, as Richard and I discussed when we interviewed him a few weeks ago. He's one of those press play guys where uh, when you interview him or speak with him, it's so interesting that as a host, it takes very little effort. And you're going to see that or listen to that here now. Please enjoy. We are speaking now with the one and only Dr. Mehmood Khan, Chief Executive Officer of the Hevolution Foundation. Congratulations on a very successful Global Health Span Summit. What a marvelous job you've done. Well, thank you for coming, attending, and I say this to everybody. This happened because of the 2,100, almost 2,100 people that travel from across the world, North America, Europe, UK, Asia, Middle East, of course, to be here. And it happened because I got a great team who made it happen and put it together. So really, it was took a village. We can vouch for that. It's been extraordinarily well run. They've taken great care of us. Thank you for having us out. When we spoke before, you sort of teased some announcements and awards. Can you talk a little bit, not only about this summit, how you think it went, but also these awards going forward and what you hope to achieve? So look, um, everything we do And I think in anything in one's life, if you want to make impact in a lasting way, you have to have the relationships. You have to have the partnerships and you have to have the credibility to leverage that credibility to make it into partnerships, right? So, you know, I'm flattered that that's what they're saying, but really it's because of those relationships and working together with a common mission, a common purpose. That's what brings people together even more so than financial incentives. People want to make a change, and that's why they're here. Now, the awards are another example of that, right? Everything that we've been building, and I've had the privilege of leading a CEO, has been about who can I partner with, because I keep reminding everybody that collaboration gives you leverage, that leverage allows you to get scale, and that scale allows you to have impact. It all starts with that collaboration. And so these partnerships and these awards that we announced, if you actually look at them, they're not just awards, they're initiatives and partnerships that are being fueled by us as a catalyst. So let's take a look at some of the things. And you know, it was great to give you a teaser, and I hope it was worth it, because there has never been a meeting in this space that has announced partnerships of the scale and diversity that we did. A huge part, of course, was bringing in, through those partnerships and awards, new talent. And I want to come back to that because this is all going to get fueled because of new talent. Ideas, not only new in age, but new perspectives. So the big one of this, as an initial launch, was to announce the largest prize in any field in history. A $101 million X Prize, HealthSpan X Prize, where we have the privilege of being the largest funder. And so we were able to shape even the name of the prize to the HealthSpan Prize, consistent with the Global HealthSpan Summit. We wanted to announce it here. Its purpose is very simple it is to bring together hopefully 
hundreds, if not thousands of competing teams from every corner of the world putting forward their ideas and saying, we have the answer. The interesting thing is within an hour of the announcement, we had more than a dozen applicants already posted saying, and I had one on social media, on one of my, my uh, connections saying, game on. <laughs> I'm quoting, game on 60 minutes after the announcement. And there have been no leaks, no, so they had no. no. You didn't know, yeah. right? We had, the only people who knew were sci senior leading scientists that we had gone to under confidentiality to say, will you join one of our committees to help design it? And more than one scientist, halfway through me asking them, will you join our committee to advise us, said no. And I, I'm going, why not? Because I'm going to compete. <laughs> That's the right? Yeah. I'm going to compete. Are you kidding? I am not joining because we had a requirement. If you join our advisory committee, conflict of interest, you can't compete. So no, not a chance. I don't want to be on the sidelines. I don't want to be on the sidelines. I'm competing. And so we had to scratch our head. This is great. I, the, the best minds and we can't, of course. <laughs> so we figured it out. So that is the basis and one piece of starting this movement. Let's take a look at the other. We reflected back and said, what awards can we do to bring new talent? Well, the prize is a great incentive. And you heard us say yesterday, a $100 million prize should, based on experience, bring at least a billion dollars of investments from around the world to compete for that prize. I know at least one government that has already given us a commitment that they're going to provide fun funding to their national teams. That's leverage. Fascinating. Right? Yeah, this, That's leverage. Becomes, you know, becomes a national Absolutely. Prize, you know? Because which country wants to be out of any of the countries that are capable to be left on the sideline? So now government officials saying, well, why isn't a national team of, from my country in this? How, what can I do to help them win? That's exactly. So we've got countries now starting to have this conversation. The first one I know of has already made that commitment and I've got several others now who were waiting to see why. Now, why did we talk to government officials? Because we want also the regulatory environment to be amenable to be able to bring to market the output of the competition. You can't wait until the winner is identified with a new solution and now you sort of say, well, this is great, but can't sell it, bring the, the product to market because we don't have no regulations for it. One among the, what did you see today? We had on the same forum a regulator, a investor, a biotechnologist, translational scientist, and clinicians. Same place, same time, debating what that future would look like and what the roadmap is. So that's happening. How do I attract new scientists beyond that? Well, one of the gaps we heard was while lots of universities train PhDs and they have established investigators, but there is a loss of talent because there's not enough postdoctoral training. How to fund the apprenticeship from after finishing your PhD to starting your f career as a scientist. Mm. That gap is sort of fallen between the gra gaps because governments say, well, university work is done. So you it's don't not have a job yet. You don't have a job yet. You're not established and trained as an independent scientist. It's not the mandate of an education department that's got your PhD done. 
It's not the mandate of a full-fledged research grant program. This is some postdoctoral, but way insufficient. And it's not industry's job. We said, fine. We just announced a global postdoctoral program to train PhDs and MDs who finished that training, now to give them an opportunity to train the geoscientists, train the next generation. That's one way. Another is we're started already funding new investigators. These are the people who are in this early phase of their career who are less likely to get funded. I mean, the tragedy here is if you look at NIH, when you look at the UK, the average age of a scientist funded by the NIH or the Medical Research Council over the last 20 years has been going up. So they're getting older and older. That's a problem, two ways. One, we've got a gap in the future succession. Who's gonna fill those amazing you know, labs? Second, new ideas. And so it's, this, it's almost a structural problem. But one way to change that is take a bet on those alternative new ideas. Because think about our review process. Who reviews these new ideas? Established scientists. Well, good luck funding a, an idea that's counter to the one you've built on your career. There's a structural bias. We recognize it. We just don't know what the solution is. So we said, okay, fine. Let's just create a separate program just for new scientists early in their career. So that, and the last example is we identified in some areas like public health. Aging has not been funded anywhere near the extent it needs to be, which ultimately you have to change public health. We heard that. So we announced the first endowed chair in aging in a school of public health at Indiana University that we announced today. So we're going to fund a scientist with an endowment so that scientist doesn't have to write a research grant to fund their salary. They can focus on doing research. So it's a whole spectrum of things. And by the way, many more to come. This is just stage one. <laughs> well, day one is extraordinarily impressive, but when we spoke in our previous episode, you emphasized the word operationalize. And it's fascinating, in all these awards and initiatives, they have to do with science, but they really have to do with entirely everything, economics. You mentioned new talent, and you mentioned opportunity. Well, this is more than opportunity, it's inducement. And it's an extraordinary take on the whole field. And I think that's something that you should be commended about and what, what evolution is trying to do. It's not just looking at the science. It's looking at how to make the science possible. Can you talk a little bit about the X Prize? Because it's got a seven-year span with specific goals. And, and what are those goals? Well, as we were thinking about our partnership and shaping the X Prize, the first was, of course, to focus on health span, not longevity. Keeping people healthy as long as possible. And the second was, which of the organ systems we know are, have a major decline in fairly large parts of our population as we age? And there are three, not the only ones, but the three that were fairly obvious and easy to look at. One, neurodegeneration and brain neurological function. It's probably going to be the single largest cost burden in most developed countries. The estimates suggest if we don't do anything differently, 50% of people over the age of 80 are, have dementia. 50%. Well, guess what? There's going to be a billion more people over the age of 60 between now and 2050. 
80-year-old plus is going to be the largest growing sector of our demographic. We better do something now. And so we, that was one. The second is we know our musculoskeletal system, our ability to retain muscle, which give, is important for mobility, independence, all of those things, falls, all the rest of it, is important to go after. The third, the immune system. A lack of our adequate immune function as we age increases the risk of infections. A lot of people recognize that, but few people recognize that it also plays an important risk factor in cancer development. As you know, immunotherapy counters that. Well, the natural immunotherapy is keep your own immune function working. And so those were the three. Now, we then said, demonstrate to us that you can restore function by at least 10 years of reversal. So if you're studying somebody who's 60, show that their immune system or their brain function goes back to at least where they were when they were 50. That 10 years has a massive impact in health span as we get older, let alone the GDP impact. You, you heard Andrew Scott, one year, $40 trillion GDP, imagine 10 years, okay? Massive, and that's independent economists get calculating that. So that's the rationale for those three. Why seven years? Because we want to give an incentive. People competing, you've got to sort of define, hey, you've got so much time to get this done in, and so by saying we're committing to seven years, tells the world the clock is ticking. If you sort of don't give them an end point, we'll sort of get there. Sure. We wanted to accelerate this. So it was hopefully carefully thought out as to now we've got to define what you measure to, to demonstrate you've got 10 years of function. By the way, we didn't incentivize a pathway. We didn't incentivize a technique or a specific drug. We said, show restoration of function. To us, it doesn't matter to a human being what the mechanism was. What's matter is, I can feel my muscles are stronger. I can feel my thinking is better. I can feel my immune system is better because I'm less likely to get sick. Or I can get a vaccine like the flu shot and it'll work. As you know, it only works in 40% of the population over 65. 60% of our over 65 rolls, the flu shot has no effect. That's not acceptable. Dr. Khan, we only have one minute left. Um, it's been an honor to be here. We just spoke with your colleague, uh, Her Royal Highness, uh, Princess Haya. And the feeling about evolution right now is, I think a word to describe it is optimism and enthusiasm and energy. How do you feel? Uh, how do you feel about today, this accomplishment and the way forward? Look, I couldn't be happier with the outcome and the feedback I've heard from dozens of attendees that I've interacted with. The social media conversation in the first day is through the roof. Unprecedented engagement. I don't know the, the interpretation of the data, but my media team tells me this is unprecedented. Confirm. This is we your field. That, yeah. <laughs> this is your field. Uh, however, the optimism is there not only because of the announcements, the scientific progress, the engagement, but it's a feeling that we're right at that inflection point. And ultimately, what I want to see out of this is we started with a vision from our board, input from the field. We took all of that in. We converted that vision into a mission, 
converted that mission into action items. You saw all of that at this. But we want this to be a global movement. And to be a global movement, it becomes something that the large part of the population starts to embrace, regardless of location and culture. You guys, by the way, can help us take what we're doing and make it into a movement. That's what it's going to take. Look at history. Cancer was a taboo until Susan Lasker made it into a movement. And it mobilized governments, created the NIH, remember it started the National Cancer Institute, found cures for cancer, and millions of people today who have been cured from cancer would not be alive if it wasn't for a movement. Imagine what could happen. That's why I'm optimistic. Congratulations. Thank you. So that is it for episode 114. Thank you so much to the Evolution Foundation for having us at their event. Thank you so much to Her Royal Highness Princess Dr. Hayab and Khalid Mibandar Al Saud, VP of Organizational Strategy and Development for Evolution, for speaking with us. That was enjoyable and a pleasure and an honor. And thank you, of course, to Dr. Mahmoud Khan, CEO of Evolution Foundation, and everyone at the Evolution Foundation team. Just unbelievable professionals. It's kind of hard to rattle off all the names right now, but Michael Torres, I don't know if he's listening to this, just a very special, talented person. And we thank him for his hospitality. Really enjoyed it. We will be back next week with a normal episode, but check out our YouTube page and our LinkedIn page. You'll see some more interviews and other conversations coming out in the next few days there. Shukran. Thank you.